Welcome to Two Cents Podcast, hosted by Joseph Skiff and Sam Bonello. They're here to help you achieve financial peace, no matter who you are or what's your background. With practical tips and insights on how to manage your money, Joseph and Sam believe that even a little bit of knowledge can go a long way. So join them on Two Cents Podcast and learn how to do a lot with just a little. Hello and welcome to the Two Cents Podcast, where you learn how to do a lot with just a little knowledge. I'm your host, Joseph Skaff, and I am here with my co-host and friend, Sam Bonello. Hey, how Joseph. Are how are you, Sam? I'm good. Good to be back. Great. Sam, what is better than budgeting? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. It's, um, it's a little bit detailed. It's hard to put into one line. But we are going to try and explore some of the obstacles, the barriers that people have in approaching budgets and generating them to start with and then keeping them up to date. And that's where a lot of people fall short. You'll have one Sunday where you're rainy day, excited to get control of your financial life. You'll do up a spreadsheet. You'll pour over your bank statements. You'll put all the information in there and then you never go back and visit it. And okay. there's a few reasons why I think psychologically budgets don't have a great reputation or a great track record outside of the first week of the new year um, when people have resolutions. So we'll dig into that and try and help people overcome some of those hang-ups around controlling their cash flow. So just getting back a little bit, what is a budget and why is that an important thing, if at all? Yeah, a budget is a plan for your spending. So before you go out and look in the shops and see all these pretty things and just buy because you like, a budget is a process of um, writing down what you need, what you want, and planning out your spending. Um, so it's making sure that you actually have enough money to do everything that you want to do because you don't want to come to a situation where – you're super excited about something and you pay for that. And by the time you get back home, you realize, oh no, that was my food for the week. Or my car registration. My car registration, my school, rent. My school fees yeah, okay. for the kids. Yep. Actually, you know, these budget thing things, Sam, as you guys know, I'm a theologian as well as an economist. And this is a subject that fascinates me because as far as I am aware, human beings have been working on budgets for literally thousands of years before we were we invented written uh words alphabetic alphabets if you can call it that way uh, people were already doing budgets i think that one of the earliest documents known to humanity written in a tablet of clay was from a mesopotamian um trader and he was just budgeting you know he's sheep and his cattle and you know he's just putting down how much stuff really he had yeah that's like one of the it's not very romantic is it but that's one of the first written things that we have on our archive okay yeah and as you guys know you know i, I like to bring some things now by my you know from my, my experience with the bible and there's actually one quite um a funny or interesting or sad story there however you want to label it and that came from Jesus himself. And one day he said, hey, which one of you who wants to build a tower don't sit down first 
and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete this tower. For if you lay the foundation and you are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, that's not a situation that I want to be, even though I must confess that I have been. So it is important that we somehow prevent ourselves from spending more than we earn and that we are spending things with the things that we actually want to spend. So that's a little bit of budgeting. It's actually not so much about money. I think it's more about stress management and making getting things done, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, and understanding why you behave the way you do when it comes to spending um, and saving. So, yeah, I mean, your, your illustration from Scripture about ending up with a half-built tower and that embarrassment that Scripture refers to, that's that same feeling that when you're trying to pay for something, you were sure there was money in the bank account, but it just keeps rejecting the transaction at the checkout. And you're trying to log into your online banking and, and move money from this account to that account and... It, you haven't planned and you've not had a, a true account or an accurate picture of your finances and you get caught out. Um, sometimes it's on something little like a grocery bill and other times it's on big things and more important things like a holiday or a medical bill for yourself or a loved one, um, the ability to fix your car so you can keep getting to work. You know, you end up with these half-built towers and it has all these domino effects in your life. Yes, where and even very smart people do that, Sam. I remember working with investment banking. One day we lent money for a big company. It was about, I don't know, $50 million or so. They had a big project. And the reality is the $50 million was not everything that they needed to complete the project. It was probably more 80 or 90 million. But we just thought, oh, let's just kind of give them the money to get started. And what happened is... They didn't complete the project. They didn't get the money to repay the bank. They filed for bankruptcy. And my bank lost all that money pretty much. So look, it happens to big big people too. Uh, so we want to teach you how to remove the stress of your life and how to help you to get in control of your money. And there is a few methods, a few ways of doing this. And the first method is what we call, um, very lovingly, the presumption system. Mm. Sam, what is the presumption system? Do you Are you a, a big fan of that one? I don't have the uh, risk tolerance for a, a, a presumption system. Presumption system is where you, are, and I've had this where you ask clients, do you, can you log into your bank account and tell me some information? And they'll say, oh, no, I don't have the login to my bank account on my phone. Oh, you do your banking online. No, I generally try not to look at my bank accounts. And there is a great degree of faith that money comes in. And when they have a bill and the money goes out, there'll be enough there. And oh, Okay, so just go for your gut feeling there. Look, I'm thinking that I'm spending less than I'm earning, so I'm in a good track. It's a guessing game. It's a total guessing game. And some people run their life that way. I don't have the ability to handle that level of stress. And uh, Sam, I must confess, I've been there myself. You've done that before. I've done that before. That was my favorite method. Well, the only method that I knew. And let me tell you one thing. You know how you say in Australia, the carpenter's house is never finished? Mm -hmm. So my dad was an economist. 
I have a degree in economy in economics, work for investment banking, and I never really learned how to organize my own bank accounts. And that's, that's okay when you're working for an investment bank because there's just no way in the world with my normal kind of a lifestyle that I could spend more than I earned. So I could just spend as whatever I wanted and the bank account kept increasing. But after I migrated to work as a minister of religion, which is not the best well-paid job in the world, very rewarding, but not necessarily, not necessarily going to become a millionaire on that one. Uh, I realized that, look, I'm struggling because every time that I looked at my reserves account, the number there is always the same, like zero or very close to that. Uh, and that was actually causing some stress because everything is all fun and games until your fridge breaks down or your car needs a $600 um, service and then you're asking yourself, where am I going to do this? And then the temptation is, okay, let's use the credit card quickly. And then it just starts piling up and piling up and piling up. So yeah, so that's the presumption system. Uh, if you are listening to us and you operate under this um, presumption system, there's hope for you. There's a, there's a better alternative for you and that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but Sam, first of all, so we can water the mouth of our listeners, so to speak, tell us a little bit about the benefits of having just healthy financial habits. What can you think of? So in the short term, um, anxiety is a, a sort of epidemic of sorts in our community. Um, True. And a lot of this, I think, can be linked back to... Um, was, not a lot of this, a, a big portion of this could be linked to finances for people. Um, there's statistics about, you know, marriage breakdowns related to finance. It, it's an issue that affects relationships and affects individuals. And having clarity gives you a huge amount of peace. Even if it's not a pretty picture, mm. just knowing that you understand your situation and either how good it mm. is or how bad it is, it takes the um, it takes the guesswork out of it. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you'd turn the light off, run to the bed and jump from like a meter out <laughs> in case there was something under the bed. Well, if you have clarity, if you look under the bed before you turn the light out, you know that there's nothing under the bed. You can walk to the edge of the bed and get in. It's it, it removes the guesswork nice. and the, the monster, the scary monster under the bed. Maybe there is a bit of a monster under your financial bed, but at least if you have clarity, you'll know what it is and what you've got to face in the morning. And once you have clarity on the mess that you're in, you can start to break that down into manageable chunks. In the absence of that, you're faced with a situation where you say, I know I'm in a financial mess and I don't know how to get out of it. Well, the, the first step is to say, how much of a financial mess are you in? What does that look like? And let's dissect that into a hundred different pieces and let's just tackle those pieces one at a time because each of those pieces on its own is manageable. But when it's just this big un nondescript beast that is chasing yes. you around, it is um, anxiety inducing. And so clarity, okay. I think, is the shortest term benefit okay. out of getting a budget because – Part of 
the process of doing a traditional budget, which is sort of a snapshot of what your spending has been, is to look through all your transactions and see where your money is actually going and just get that clarity. That's a very good benefit. And let me just add another one. It can help save your marriage. There are some statistics that say that as much as 29% of divorces, their underlying issue is finance. Uh, and even if you're not planning to get divorced, I remember uh, in my home, my dad and mom, they would, you know, fairly often fight over financial matters. And I would even myself as well, before I learned all this, uh, have some um, arguments with my wife on, on that. So if you're married, that's going to help your marriage. If you're not married, that's going to help you on the day that you are married mm. to someone because you're going to be bringing to that relationship some healthy financial habits. So that's and sticking with the family theme there too, Joseph. This is clarity is one of the shortest term benefits you'll achieve. Yeah. Empowering your kids and modeling to them. If you have kids, if you choose to have kids, how to manage money in a healthy way so that Beautiful. they don't see you always fighting about money so that when they hear you talking about money, you're talking from a position of confidence because you have clarity you've prioritized the things that are important to you, like a family holiday. And when the kids hear you talking about that holiday, they say that they hear you saying, yeah, we booked the tickets, we paid cash, we're excited to go. And you're thinking about all the exciting things about the holiday rather than someone who hasn't planned for a holiday financially, emotionally or physically, they feel like they need a holiday. And when the kids hear them talking about a holiday, the predominant thing is, yeah, we need a holiday, but how are we going to afford this? Those two different money mindsets that kids could pick up from you mm. have a massive influence and yes. bearing on the trajectory of their financial life and their relationship to money. So, yes, it could save your marriage in the short term, but it could also set your kids up for much healthier, easier times in marriage and other relationships and their relationship to money, just by hearing you speak about finances with confidence, with clarity, rather than this anxiety and this peace and this procrastination about not wanting to get get on top of this thing. Yes, I like that. Like, you know, giving our kids a head start. Um, you know, plus, you know, it's not a bad thing if you are if you feel that you're always prepared for emergencies. If your phone breaks down, you're not freaking out about it if your computer falls or if your car something happens you know that you have a big cushion to help you it's always a good thing or if you are into that um then that financial planning is actually going to help you escape that that trap so there's a whole bunch of benefits now uh it is going to be a little bit technical this podcast so you're more than welcome just to stay or if you'd like to make sure that you have some pen and paper we are going to encourage you to do so you can make some take some notes uh so you can uh, press pause um now get them and then you can come back otherwise just continue come back later uh sam and i we're gonna find a way of putting uh, our notes online for you as well, and you are going to know. So yes, here's the time for you to pause and get it. And there's some crickets to wait while you do this. Okay, good. So you're back, welcome back. So the first thing about budgeting is finding out how much does it cost to be you. You Inc, you incorporated 
how much does it cost to be you? And that is actually not a, not a terribly, you know, um, not a terrible exercise to do. It's actually quite interesting to know how much do you cost? I'm not going to ask you this, Sam, but you know, it, it's actually nice when you sit together and you put there, okay, let's, let's think about some, some things to put it down. So number one, of course, how much you earn, then you also want to put down in that spreadsheet or in this piece of paper, how much are you paying with your rent, big costs first rent, your education or your mortgage or, uh, you know, your, then you go to groceries. What's the average that you spend or that you want to spend with groceries, um, utilities? What else am I missing? Car? Insurances. So you, you want to understand what are your non-discretionary expenses? And this can be a good process to go through to non-discretionary, oh. meaning you don't have a choice. You okay. have to pay. So these are so. the things that no matter what, you are going to need to spend them month after month. So you cannot have a choice. I mean, yeah. mostly. Or the choice, the, the alternative choice isn't one worth considering. I either pay my rent or I sleep on a park. That's right. Okay. Okay. So that's a non-discretionary. So we're not talking about the expenses like, oh, going out to see the movies because. That's discretionary because okay. you have a choice in that. So a non-discretionary expense is your CTP green slip insurance. You're not allowed to drive your car on the road and register it unless you've got that insurance. So okay. that insurance is So you add that to your budget. You add all of these costs to your budget, uh, your utilities, so all the costs that come to you, and you can just, you know, you, you will know what those expenses are. And if you forget one of them, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be reminded of them at some point because they're going to be appearing in your bank statement. Uh, but just one, just a matter of um, uh, curiosity here. I was wondering... Uh, what is the percentage of rent and what is, uh, you know, just to talk about the big thing, you know, mortgage, rent, housing, living costs. So, uh, and here we would be including, uh, things like water, your internet, your electricity, your gas, all these kinds of things. What is a sustainable amount? Well, according to the Australian government, and I think that this is a pretty good, uh, guideline. If you can keep those costs, housing, living costs under 30% of your budget, that's going to be good. That's going to be quite healthy. However, if you are between 30 and 50, that's bearable, not ideal. Above 50%, there's a high likelihood that you are under some severe financial pressures. Now, there's a whole lot of things here because if you live in a big city like Sydney, Brisbane, Rents can be quite high. It can be quite ouchy. And especially if you live by yourself uh, and you're, if you're in a single income. So it's, it's harder for people that are um, living on their own. Um, so, that, so that you have an idea, 5.5% of Australians spend more than 50%. Of their income. Of their income in, in living costs. Their living costs. So things yes. like electricity, water, rent. Correct. 11.5% spend between 30 and 50% of their income. So we're talking about roughly um, 16, 17%, uh, a little below one-fifth of the Australian population, uh, where living costs are 
quite a heavy piece of their budget. And 75% of Australians, they actually spend 25% or less of their income in costs of living, which is quite sustainable. Actually, if you own your own home already and you have paid your mortgage, your living costs will be on average something like 5%, 6%. So that means that you free up the rest of your budget to do your other costs. And you can see here, and this is the same way, you know, calling it you Inc. is, is a really helpful thing to do because in the same way that a business doesn't rent another office space or employ another staff member or run a marketing campaign that has a big dollar figure attached to it until they know their budget, until they know what they can afford to spend on these certain things. You as a business need to know what can I afford to spend on rent or um, what sort of vehicle am I able to buy financially without a budget? That's a big guessing game and you are inclined to go to an apartment or a house or that, a car or that have the things that you want and you're you're very easily pulled into the bells and whistles lists like oh this place has a pool that's fantastic i would love a pool well what does it cost to maintain a pool and what's that going to do to your electricity bill and do you have room in your budget for that and so thinking about yourself as a business if you've got a accurate budget then when it comes time to say, do I move into house A or house B or do I buy a car A or car B, you can actually look at something that will tell you, no, you can't afford to do that. And um, the other place that this is helpful is there's, there's four levers that we'll speak about on many occasions, I'm sure, that determine your financial journey, your wealth creation journey. The first is income, and what we're really talking about a lot today is expenses, which is the second one. And then you've got time as the third lever that you can push up or down. And then you've got opportunity or risk. So in filling out a budget to get started, what has life been costing me? Um, you're really just looking at expenses. You might write that list of expenses, your non-discretionary items, your discretionary items, and you look at your discretionary items and you try and carve as many of those away as you can so that you're creating more and more surplus. But you might get to a point and say, you know, if I carve any more out of this, I just don't enjoy life and I can't find a cheaper place to live. Well, then you need to go back to the first one, which is income and say, the lifestyle that I want requires me to have a higher income than what I'm on. So you go back to the drawing board and you say, okay, what can I do to increase my income? Mm. Is there a course that I can study? Do I have a conversation with my boss and say, look, I need to earn more. What scope for growth is there in this company? And what courses do I need to take? What do I need to do to, to graduate in the pay scale here? Um, the sooner you have clarity about the fact that the lifestyle that you can be happy with isn't supported by the income that you've got or doesn't give you any surplus – then the sooner your mental energy goes towards finding a solution, improving your income earning potential so that you then are able to use the time lever, you're making enough money to have a surplus for a long enough time to save a meaningful amount of money for the time when you can't work in the future. So again, that clarity point 
is really one of the biggest benefits of budgeting, although we're, we, we acknowledge that's sort of a, a negative connotation for a lot of people because it's such a stop-start thing and, and a sporadic flash-in-the-pan event for people when it really should be a, a part of their um, weekly or monthly routines to just check in financially and rather than make sure they're not spending more than they're allowed to, and that's where a lot of the negativity for budgets comes in. People feel that budgets are restrictive. I've made this list. I have to stick to it. I hate it. It's stopping me from doing the things that I want to do or that my friends are inviting me to do. And budgets feel like they're restrictive. We need to flip the switch on that and say, after this initial step of writing a budget, getting a snapshot of what life has been costing you, you then transition and you control the budget by saying, okay, let's put another layer over the top of your traditional budget that just says income and expenses and say, what are my values? What are my financial goals? What are the things that are going to make me happy? And you write those things into the budget as an item, a line item. Mm. So your holiday in two years' time to Hawaii or your trip to the orangutan sanctuary because environmental activism or conservation is something that's at the core of who you are and you want to experience some of that firsthand – Put that as a line item on your budget so that your budget is a, rather than a restrictive numbers spreadsheet, it is a um, psychological tool where you're prioritizing what's important to you and what brings you happiness and you're making sure the numbers support that. So you're making decisions proactively and you're looking into the future and saying, this is what's important to me. This is what I'm going to prioritize. And your budget done properly will tell you, you can't afford that trip in three years time. So you then go back to the list of expenses and you say, okay, what's more important to me? Stan, Netflix, Binge and Disney Channel. Oh, and Foxtel because I'm into sports too. Or the trip to the orangutans. Okay, the trip to the orangutans is more important. So I'm going to cut some of these other things out willingly because I'm not restricting myself. I'm empowering myself to do what I've decided in my mind and what I've written down on paper is truly more important to me or more fulfilling. So that's where this thing comes from. Better than budgeting, it's it's planning to build the life that you want and then making sure the numbers support it. The old way of budgeting is just restrictive and um, your budget often says no to you for no apparent reason. But if you've got as a line item in your budget the things that you're passionate about and that are important to you, then your budget just allows you to make sure those priorities come true. I love it. I love it because that's, again, as we mentioned before, it's a lot about psychology, isn't it? It's about seeing things from a different perspective and seeing budget as something like that is actually going to help you live your best life as opposed to something that's going to be preventing you from doing so. It's quite um, enabling, in my view. Um, okay, so the question that I have is this. How do we do something that is better than budgeting? 
And here we are going to uh, start talking about the ins and outs of the model. Um, we are this podcast has this part one and part two, so we we will get into more details. But we will be using here uh, the Barefoot Investor Bank Account System, invented by Scott Pape. And Scott Pape, both uh, me and Sam, we are big fans of um, his work. He wrote a book that is a bestseller in Australia on finance called Baref The Barefoot Investor. If you haven't read his book, go for it and buy a copy for you. It's extremely useful uh, book to give you the ABCs of financial independence and financial management and, and really good financial habits. And he is very practical as well. And we want to give him the credit because he came up with this system. Uh, we modified it a little bit. We're going to explain to you where we modified, but uh, we just want to give the credit to him and encourage you to read this book because it's invaluable. Uh, so the Barefoot Investor Bank Accounts. And basically, before we go there, there's just one more thing that we want to let you know because that's also going to help us. And And this is the thing. Money has three basic uses. Number one use is to provide for you and your family and your needs. Number two, to help others. And number three, to invest in the causes that are dearest to your heart, that are most important to you. If it's in your spiritual walk, so you need to, you know, you will have, find a lot of joy in investing into that. If it's in environment, in politics, in helping a specific kind of disadvantaged group, kids, uh, cancer research, giving to causes that are dear to our hearts into things that are bigger than ourselves, this is one of the functions of money as well. And when we do a budget, we're going to be looking to all these three things, our own needs, the needs of others, you know, our neighbors, our friends, our fam uh, family members. Uh, how do you, how do we help them in a sustainable way? And also the causes that are close and dear to our heart as well that deserve uh, financial support. But this is in part two of our podcast. So, Stay tuned, and we are going to say goodbye for now, and we'll be back with our next episode. Thank you, Sam. To be with you. And we see you guys later. That's all for this episode of Two Cents Podcast, hosted by Joseph Skeff and Sam Bonello. We hope you have found our insights and tips helpful in your financial journey. Remember, even small steps can lead to big results when it comes to money management. Join us next time for more practical advice on achieving financial peace. Thanks for listening to Two Cents Podcast.